We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast for part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, here I'm here with Jason Pat. Jace, it's been a while since we've talked. The Bulls are now 11% done with the NBA season. They've played nine games. They're five and four overall. They're coming off back-to-back wins over Brooklyn and Charlotte uh, over the last two days. There's so much going on with this team right now, Jason. Uh, the one thing I'll say to start it off is that the upcoming schedule gets really difficult for the Bulls. So while things, I think, feel pretty good right now, we'll go into it. But generally, I would say pretty good vibes. Maybe that's what happens when you win your last two games and you record a podcast. <laughs> uh, but, you know, things, I think, mostly trending in the right direction for the Bulls. A lot to be excited about. A couple things uh, that are a little bit of a dark cloud hanging over the team right now. But man, this upcoming schedule at Boston, at Toronto versus Toronto versus the Pelicans versus the Nuggets. Maybe that one not as tough anymore than versus the Pelicans again. So that's like the next 10 days for the Bulls. Nice. Uh, There's been a lot happening, Jace, with the team since the last time we recorded. I believe our last podcast was after their big win over the Celtics. That's correct. uh, Monday, October 24th. Fuck Boston. Since then... The Bulls have beaten the Pacers at home. They've lost to the Spurs on the road, which is a game Zach Levine didn't play in. They lost to the 76ers at home, a hard-fought game. Uh, That was probably the most memorable game of this stretch so far. Then they played Brooklyn. Well, that was a memorable game, too. The Bulls come out in the fourth quarter, scorch the Nets behind Zach Levine, who scores more points than Brooklyn in the fourth, outscores him 20-19 to by himself. And then last night, since we're recording this on a Thursday, they beat Charlotte 106-88. Five and four right now, Jace. I'm going to open this up by saying, have the Bulls through the 11% of the season been better than you expected, about what you expected, or worse than you expected? I would say, like, record-wise, probably about. I feel They've won a few games that I did not think they'd win, winning the opener, winning that Boston game after going down big. Probably even winning the Brooklyn game. Like if you went back and listened to our podcast when we like went through the season and made our individual game picks, I feel like probably around this time five and four was about right. Maybe four and five. Uh, like I said, the the Spurs loss was very disappointing. They got off to a really slow start. They come back and you think maybe they'll pull this out and then they lose in the end. The Sixers won. They just cannot fucking beat Joel Embiid again. That game is another one. They get down big. They make a huge comeback. They are right there in the end, but then they, I think they scored something like two points in the last four or five minutes, and Embiid hits the game-winning three-pointer. He starts posting about how he's Aaron Rodgers owning the Bulls, which, I mean, he is 12-0 and against the Bulls now, so that's brutal. So then it's like, well, three and four. We got this game at Brooklyn. Brooklyn, 
at Brooklyn, and then they the Nets fire Steve Nash, this clusterfuck of an organization that is the Brooklyn Nets fire Steve Nash the day the, that morning before the Bulls game. So it's like, all right, fired coach bump. The Nets are going to come out motivated. They're going to take care of business. And it looked like the Bulls are going to get like run off the court in that game. They did not play well for probably two and a half, three quarters of that game. They trailed by as many, I, I think, as 12. They were down 11 late in the third. And then Io DeSumo, Zach Levine, you mentioned Levine at 20 points in the fourth, and Io played a huge role in turning that game around. Those two basically almost single-handedly flipped the game after Royce O'Neal starts talking shit to the bench and he, him throwing down to Kolovusevich. So he, he woke the bear, woke the bull, uh, and Zach, Zach goes off and they win that game. And that just felt great because of, again, the Nets are a joke. They're going to hire Ime Yudoko, it looks like, who is suspended for an improper sexual relationship with a Celtics employee. Ridiculous said, like, I'm not going to say the guy should be out of the NBA forever, but like basically about two months into this like suspension, they're going to go hire him to try to save their stupid ass team with their stupid ass superstars. Kyrie Irving, again, with his just ridiculous anti-Semitic like posts and comments and all that. And he went on a whole other thing today. Don't need to go into that. It's all ridiculous. Kyrie is a doofus. But it felt great for the Bulls to smash that team, make that big comeback, and drive him into the dirt. Levine, super fired up. It was great to see him uh, just really fired up, hitting all those three-pointers and going off in the fourth. So beating that team to drop them down to two and six. They did not have Ben Simmons in that game, but at this point, I don't even know if that really is a plus or minus for the uh, Nets because he's been awful, and now he's dealing with a knee injury in addition to his back problems. So he that Nets team is just a complete dumpster fire. It was great to win that game. And then this Hornets game, bad team. Uh, they're missing LaMelo Ball, missing Terry Rozier. Gordon Hayward didn't play in the second half. You do what you need to do against a team full of bums. But what was impressive about that is they did it despite Zach Levine playing on the second of a back-to-back, which was notable because it was the first Sega Baba that he has played this year with the knee thing. Uh, struggled shooting. DeMar DeRozan, maybe his worst game as a bull. Atrocious. Just looked really, really bad all night with turnovers, with missed shots, four shots, bad Uh I mean, his defense is never like some anything to write home about, but just, uh, maybe Demar's worst game is bull. And then Vooch was like, was like, I think five of 15. Like those three shot something like 25% from the field. So like those two guys were awful. But then you get Patrick Williams with maybe his third or fourth straight game, two best games of a season in a row. Out of nowhere, Patrick Williams seems like he's figured out that, hey, I'm six feet eight with huge hands. And I'm just pretty strong. And I should start just dunking on people. Uh, great to see that. And just looking way more confident. And we will obviously talk about Patrick Williams a bit more. Uh, and then the bench. Goran Dragic, who is on an absolute heater. House of the Dragic, House of the Dragon, whatever you want to call it. Dude shooting like 60% from three so far this year. I think he's like just underneath that. Uh, and just like the p- pushing the pace. I think he had 15 or 16. I can't remember his exact numbers last night. But another phenomenal game. Javante Green just. Five Javantes out there hitting three-pointers, throwing down oops, playing great defense. Derek Jones Jr. playing great defense. Uh, and this has been with Andre Drummond out the last couple nights, and Kobe Knight is Kobe White as well. So a couple injuries. But that the the bench group of Dragic, DJJ, Javante, and Alex Crusoe with his defense uh just has been just unleashing hell on opponents. And usually it's them playing with Zach Levine. Uh, and they did it again yesterday, and they've done it in a couple games this season. Uh, so yeah, that was the story of this last game. Said a lot going in there, uh, but it was nice to see them win this le- this most recent game. Win despite their three stars sucking, and then getting all these contributions from elsewhere while also dealing with injuries. Still, with obviously Lonzo's out, Drummond and Kobe White out, but they get all these contributions from other guys to win a game going away. They were like it was kind of close at first, but they controlled almost that entire night and were never really that threatened. So. Great to see that. Great to see the depth stepping up. Great to see Patrick Williams awaking from a slumber and looking like an actual NBA player. So I think let's start with the good first. And there's a few different places we can start, but I feel like we should start with the bench and with the new offseason additions that the Bulls made. Because, Jace, for the last like three, four months on this podcast, all we did was complain yeah, about we did. the Bulls offseason. <laughs> I was mad because they had a $10.5 million mid-level exception that they chose not to spend all of because they didn't want to dip into the luxury tax because Jerry Reinsdorf gets a big check from the <laughs> Warriors and the Clippers who are trying to win the championship, unlike the Bulls, uh, for you know not going into the luxury tax. I was pretty underwhelmed by their free agent signings being Goran Dragic, 
Andre Drummond, and then re-signing Derek Jones. Well, Jason, it turns out Arturis Karnaschovas knows a lot more about <laughs> team building and about NBA basketball than I do. Because at this point, I look like a complete moron for hating the Bulls <laughs> season. And Arturis Karnaschovas looks like basically a genius. All three of these guys have been absolutely incredible. Now, Drummond hasn't played the last couple games with an injury. And he's out for the next game. He's out tomorrow against Boston. Should be back well. soon. Hopefully. Last time we saw him against the Spurs, Andre Drummond looked like a starting caliber big man. On a yeah. night when Nikola Vucevic got Closed. Totally shut down yeah. by Jakob Pertl. Andre Drummond, I don't have the numbers in front of me. It was like 17 points. He closed the game. Yeah. Rebounds. Uh, dominated. Looked awesome doing what Andre Drummond should do, which is setting hard screens on the top of the key and using that big ass 280 pound or whatever the hell he weighs frame. He has a big ass <laughs> to roll to the basket and lay the ball in at the rim. Uh, Andre Drummond made some headlines earlier in the week. Maybe this was last week at this point when he said, uh, you know, I'm the best rebounder of the century of the millennium. Well, holy shit, man. Andre Drummond's been awesome. <laughs> is a rebounder as well. And you think about the issues the Bulls had last year on the glass. Signing Andre Drummond was pretty much a stroke of genius for the Bulls. Like this was a team last year in defensive rebound rate. Uh, let's see. I got it right here. Okay. Like 20, 28th in defensive rebound rate last year, if that's correct. Uh they had Tristan Thompson as a backup center <laughs> midseason, a panic signing because Tony Bradley couldn't catch the ball. So they had to go out, get another big man. Marco Simonovich can't play at all. So you go out, get Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson was awful. Just ruined the vibes all around. So backup five was a big issue on the team. When Vooch went to the bench, when Vooch got hurt early last season, the Bulls really didn't have anything else they could do besides for throw DJ out there, who's way undersized at the five. You go get Drummond. Now, the Bulls have mostly, when they've had Vooch and Drummond at their disposal, been playing 48 minutes of those two guys. And it's been phenomenal. Uh, I think it's a big advantage that a lot of teams don't have to have. You know, could we say Drummond might still be a top 30 center, top 35 center? He's one of the best backup centers in the league. That's how he's been to this point. Now, we know that Andre Drummond has a tendency, Jason, to put a little bit too much dip on his chin. <laughs> to this point, we've only seen the good Andre Drummond. He's dipping an appropriate amount. There's an appropriate amount of dip on the chin. Yeah, there have been like a few times where like he's gotten a little out there, but usually then like he's only playing. He's not playing like big minutes where like that really becomes a problem. Usually if it's if he starts fucking around, uh, and it's usually more like that second stint, I feel like in the second half or maybe in the fourth quarter, if he starts messing around, Billy pulls him, it's usually fine. Uh, yes, continue. He's been but good. Drummond's been awesome. Yeah. So Andre Drummond, great signing. I guess, you know, thoughts on Drummond thus far, Chase? Yeah, absolutely. He's been really solid. Like I said, there have been minor complaints about him occasionally turning. I, th I think his turnover rate's still somewhat high, but that's just kind of, that's kind of what we expected out of him, that he would do some dumb shit sometimes. But it's been limited. And like I said, he plays generally he's been playing 15, 20 minutes. He played, I believe, more in that Spurs game because he was legitimately really, really good in that game. But in general, he plays whatever. Vooch plays 30. He plays 15 to 18. And like, and there you go. And he's giving you basically 9, 10 rebounds a night in those that limited minutes. So his rebound rate is insane. Uh, I think his finishing has still not been too great. But like, whatever. When he's finishing lobs, it's totally fine. Uh, and he's catching him and Dragic have shown a great, nice little rapport there when he's been healthy. So overall, yeah, cannot complain about Andre Drummond. Will I still complain about not actually going into the luxury tax and using more of that mid-level exception? Absolutely fucking will. But so far, Andre Drummond so far has been really, really solid. Uh, and then Goran Dragic. Yeah. Goran Dragic. Way more surprising. He's been approximately... 350 times better than I thought he would be. Yeah. And really, he's kept the Bulls afloat through the early start of the season. When the Bulls signed Dragic, there was this idea that he was a Lonzo Ball replacement. And I thought, well, that's complete bullshit. Dragic can't defend at all. He, uh, you know, his, his game really seemed to fall off a cliff last season when he was on the Nets. And I just thought, you know, this guy is just not going to be able to... Uh, fill the void of Lonzo. 
And I don't know if he's filling the void of Lonzo because Lonzo is a very unique player just in terms of his skill set and his overall place in the league. But Drogic has been unquestionably phenomenal. Last night against the Hornets, you know, what do you have, 15 points? I don't have the box score up in front yeah. of him. But he, was, he was keeping the offense going throughout the game while DeMar was having a rough shooting night and Zach didn't have any juice in the knee. His outside shooting has been tremendous so far. He's shooting 54% from three on three attempts per game. There have been multiple games this season where Drogic's shooting has kept the Bulls afloat. And my favorite thing about Drogic, and the thing that I overlooked when they signed him, is just how good of a playmaker he is. I always viewed Drogic as more of a scorer, but Drogic really knows how to set the table for his teammates. In this Bulls team, is a team that mostly needs the table set for them. You got DeMar and you got Zach and Vooch to a certain extent as well, who can create offense kind of out of thin air. Like that's what Zach and DeMar specialize in. But everyone else is a little bit of an oddball where they sort of need to be set up for a bucket. You're not going to give the ball to Javante Green and be like, hey, Javante, go score off the dribble. You're not going to do that to Derek Jones. Uh, You're not going to do that even to Drummond. That's how Drummond sort of falls into his worst tendencies. Yeah. Instead, you have 36-year-old Goran Dragic, older than me and you, Jason, born in 1986, expertly running the pick and roll, threatening the defense with both his scoring and his passing, and seeming to already have wonderful chemistry with teammates he only spent training camp with. He wasn't here last year. Usually, you know, chemistry in terms of the timing. Uh, between a point guard and his finishers. That takes a little bit to build up. Goran Dragic has been able to do it immediately. So you combine his shooting with his playmaking. You know, I have some issues with the Bulls' defense, certain players. By the way, the Bulls, according to basketball reference, right now through nine games, the number eight defense in the NBA. So the defense in general has mostly been pretty good. Uh, But I have not noticed Dragic being really bad on defense either. So Dragic has been amazing if the season ended today i believe that both him and drummond should probably get some consideration for sixth man of the year that's how good both of them have been uh and i don't care about awards and they're not going to win those awards yeah the and they don't is, play enough and like Roger, have enough, yeah they don't have enough Roger stats been awesome yeah he's been phenomenal yeah i mean you look at again i just said they don't they don't have enough stats just because they don't play enough they're like 15 20 minutes but that, i feel like that's perfect for them like we were talking about how we like we would be concerned if those guys were playing because those guys were playing starting or playing huge minutes, bigger than minutes for the Nets last season. But right now they're playing like whatever, 15 to 20 minutes a game, which is perfect. And that's that's especially perfect, I feel like, for Dragic to do his just running all over the place like a madman act, which he's been doing and pushing pace like he has. He's averaging nine points, 9.4, 3.6 assists, and then that's 17.3 minutes a game. Yeah, ex- extrapolate that out to the nice per 36 numbers. We're looking at like 20 points per game and 7.4 assists. That 7.4 assists per 36 right now is would be his second highest for his career. So like he like you said, he's run, he's playmaking great uh, with that second unit, just pushing pace, setting guys up for lobs left and right, throwing like perfect lobs. This guy's been like a wizard out there. We'll see if he can keep this up over the course of a long season. Again, he is 36 years old. Can he play? At this pace, all season, the fact that they are limiting him to 17 minutes per game and right around there, I think is a good number. Hopefully he will. Uh, but yeah, right now, I mean, he has been probably the biggest pleasant surprise of this roster of this team so far this season. And uh, and he's just been a lot of fun to watch. Like I said, he's literally just fucking darting around out there like a madman making stuff happen every time he comes in. So The three-point percentage is going to come down. He's not going to shoot 54% for the season. But, I mean, if he can settle in around 40 in the high 30s, his two-point percentage should hopefully come up. Uh, Yeah, he's been great and uh, been a godsend with Lonzo Ball out. And we don't need to focus on him too much, but Derek Jones Jr. Yeah. Didn't know if he was going to come back. He was like the third piece of their offseason, bringing him back. Yeah. I love that DJ is in the rotation, in the extended rotation. I think Billy was playing 11 when everyone was healthy. And he just makes stuff happen whenever he's on the floor because he plays with great energy. He obviously has world-class athleticism. Uh, Billy has done a pretty good job sort of putting him in position to succeed as a roller instead of being used as an outside shooter. Oh, by the way, Derek Jones was just ripping (laughs) three-pointers in the win against the Hornets. (laughs) He was. Uh, The Bulls don't win that game without the bench catching fire from three-point range. 
So DJ, you know, will he continue to be in the rotation? I'm not sure. I do prefer Javante over DJ probably, but I'm like not married to that. I really like what both of them can do. Uh, their skill sets are a bit redundant, I think, on the yeah. same team. Like they, they kind of do the same thing and have the same skill set, but uh, DJ has been awesome. Yeah, that was my concern about I did not think they'd bring both guys back. And that was my concern on a team that didn't have much three point shooting. I did not think they'd bring both back because they seem redundant. But not right now, like with these bench lineups thrown out there, they're just overwhelming teams with their athleticism, with their defense, pushing pace, and they're just crushing teams like that. And right now it's working. I don't know if that's like a good long term roster plan and like if that is that a thing that's going to work in the playoffs when uh guys are always sagging off and you can game plan against these teams i don't know about that still question but for right now as a regular season like bench unit with these energy guys who are just making shit happen it's working it's working great i I don't have like the bench units like uh like net rating like that lineup that's basically been like zach and like those other with caruso djj javante uh, and Drummond or wh- whoever else it is like those and Dragic, like those numbers have been like incredible. I'm pretty sure so far. So they've been absolutely killer. Huge part of this, of the Bulls staying afloat and being five and four, despite some of these health problems. Let's talk about another positive from this young season. This is a recent positive, Jason, and that would be the improved play of Patrick Williams. Hey, last time we recorded a podcast, we wondered, is Patrick Williams an NBA player? Can Patrick <laughs> Williams provide anything on either end of the floor for this team? Now, 11% of the way through the season, over the last five games, Patrick Williams has been, dare I say, Jace, pretty damn good. Yeah. Against the Pacers, 10 points. 10 points, two assists, two steals. Against the Spurs, 10 points, three steals, two rebounds, and assist. Against the Sixers, nine points, a block, a steal, three boards. Could have done a little bit more in that game, but that was okay. Against Brooklyn, 12 points, seven rebounds, two blocks. Felt like one of the better games of his career. Follows that up with what might be the best game of his career. Just given, you know, the sort of the circumstance. Like, I'm yeah. not going to put that game last year. Timberwolves. The, yeah. the Timberwolves. You know, because there was no stakes in that game. But last night, 16 points, five boards, a block, an assist, seven and nine from the field, two or three from deep. What has changed for Patrick Williams? Well, everyone's going to say he's played more aggressive. I think that's certainly true. It is true. It is true. Uh, one thing I've noticed, Jace, is that the Bulls have just gotten him more involved early in games. He's touching the ball on the first possession at the start of every game. Yeah. And I believe that started in the Indiana game. Uh, they are like pr- making a pretty conscious effort to get Patrick Absolutely. Williams a scoring opportunity early in the game to sort of like get him involved. Uh, and Pat is doing a great job taking advantage of his chances. Now, one excuse I always made for Pat is that I think it's just kind of tough when you're supposed to be the fifth option on offense and you have all these other, you know, three ball dominant stars around you. You also got IO who's having a breakout season himself. And even last night, Jace, when Patrick Williams played the best game of his career, I noticed this looking at the box score. He took the fewest field goal attempts in the starting line. <laughs> yeah. So the difference between Patrick Williams, you know, at the start of the season to now, a few things. One, he's just playing with a lot more force. He had a drive on Jalen McDaniels yesterday that I believe oh, yeah. might be the best drive of his career. Sure, bodied him. All swung to him on the wing. And he just drove right through Jalen McDaniels, put his ass in the hoop, basically, and laid it in. He had a grab-and-go rebound against the Spurs, where he took it coast-to-coast, had a nice little Euro step, got fouled, finished through the contact. So you're just, like, feeling the weight and the strength of Patrick Williams a little bit more than ever. I think the team is doing a better job trying to get him involved. Pat's also just making his shot, yeah, which that he helps doing yeah. earlier. Uh, I want more Pat. I want more, more, more Pat. Like to me, we'll talk about this a little bit more later. But when when the Bulls really start to get dragged down is when they're very dependent on DeRozan, yeah, and Levine to create everything. Let's get stagnant. Uh, the great thing about Patrick Williams is that DeRozan and Levine are going to command a certain amount of attention with their mere presence on the floor. 
Pat is going to have a strength advantage and possibly a size advantage and maybe a skill advantage on the majority of the guys he's matched up with. A lot of these dudes, like the four in the NBA now, like unless you're going against a team that plays two centers, in which case, Pat, you know, take him out on the perimeter, try to beat him off the dribble at your speed. But the majority of these wings he's matched up against as a four are smaller than him, are not as strong as him. And I think we're finally seeing him start to realize, hey, I might be 21 years old. I might be the youngest guy on the floor in most cases. But I can bully a lot of these matchups and I'm a big, strong dude. I'm athletic. I can throw it down at the rim when I get to the rim and I got a good mid range pull up. And if I get a lot of time to take a three pointer, (laughs) I can make a wide open three pointer. So for Pat, it's mostly about focusing on like, how can you make an impact to help the team? His defense has been, I would say above average to this point. He's finally starting to grab some rebounds, which he wasn't doing in the beginning of the year. The team has been rebounding very well the entire season. So I love what I'm seeing out of Pat. I want more Pat. And I think the Bulls need to continue to find ways to prioritize his role in the offense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, yeah, definitely noticed the point about him getting involved early. Because it's uh, like most of his production definitely comes like in first halves and then it usually kind of tails off. Uh, he'll obviously, hopefully they can kind of fix it. I mean, not, looking at his numbers now, he's he's finally, after those first few ugly games, like his scoring and his per- shooting percentages are now kind of more up to where they were before. So make actually making shots is definitely helping here because like early on, he was bricking shots. He was hesitant on his jumpers. And now these last couple of games, he's been taking some of these pull-ups with confidence uh, and they're getting, and they're getting him involved early, getting him involved early. And then seeing those shots go in definitely got to help like that Brooklyn game. Uh, there were a couple of mid range shots right at the beginning where they found him in the middle of the floor and he just turns around, buries a mid range shot. That's great. If they're, if they're going to be taking away tomorrow or Zach and Patrick Williams is in the middle of the court, wide open, hit those shots. That's, that's a nice, we- another weapon to have in the middle of the court against the Hornets last night. He had a couple buckets right away at the start. Uh, being opportunistic, cutting to the basket, which is something we've talked about. Be if they are again, if they're going to be focusing so much on these other star players, cut to the basket. There was a really, I think, one of his dunks last night where they had Vooch. I think it was like on the elbow, but I think like Zach gave it to Vooch. Vooch was like on the elbow or like kind of around there, and Pat just dro- uh, dove to the basket. Vooch hits him with a pass, dunks, awesome. dunks it down. Great ball movement. That's and that's just being opportunistic, being in the right spots, and taking advantage when there's a, uh, teams are, are focusing on the other guys. Um, and that's great. I mean, the last two games, nine field goal attempts, ten field goal attempts, those are the most he has he's had all season. Uh, it's great to see. And then it's also, I mean, we talk about, you mentioned like the defense stuff. Um I know like steals and blocks isn't always like the sign of like a 
great defender. Like sometimes if you gamble a lot, you can get steals, but it doesn't mean you're a good defender. I will say though, like those first couple games, like if you talk about stocks, steals and blocks, the first four games of the year, he had two total steals, two total blocks. But now since that Indiana game, he had two steals in that game, three steals against the Spurs, two stocks uh, against the Sixers, one block, one steal each. Three stocks against the Nets. That's two blocks, one steal. And then he had another block against the Hornets. So starting to make actually make plays defensively, because obviously you can be like a lockdown guy, which is good. And I think he's been, like I said, okay defensively, doing some good things. Uh, I wouldn't say he's been like a lockdown guy, but starting to actually make plays with his defense as well and actually blocking shots and getting steals um, and getting attacking the glass too. I mean, again, we talk about the rebounding. His high of rebounds uh, in October was three. Now we have seven in this Brooklyn game, five in the Charlotte game. And now Billy is clearly starting to trust him more. He the he had went through that stretch where the couple game stretch where Billy was basically Keith Bogans in him, where he'd play him six minutes at the start of the half. And like that was it because he wasn't doing anything. But last couple nights, he's been 30 plus or last three games, 30 minutes at least in each three and all three of them because he is doing he's making stuff happen. Um, which is great. He does. He's had some turnover problems. He's still kind of sloppy at times with the ball in his hands uh, in terms of like making plays for himself and dribbling, but that's going to happen. I think he's still got to tighten up that handle. That's really not really a strength of his just yet. Uh, but when he's being opportunistic, when he's being uh, and taking advantage of the positive situations and like the advantage situations, he is doing it. He also did have a really, a really nifty cross court lefty pass that he made to, I can't remember. It might've been, I think it was to like IO. And then I think IO might've flipped it to someone else for a three pointer, but like that kind of thing, that kind of extra little juice, the playmaking, uh, if he kind of starts developing that as well, like that's obviously a whole other element of his game. I'm not expecting him to come out and start like dropping dimes left and right, but if he can kind of start working into that as well, that makes the Bulls are so much more dangerous as uh, on that side of the court too. Yeah. I actually like him off the dribble. I just wanted to say that. Like, I feel like he's not like a Jalen Brown or Andrew Wiggins level quick twitch athlete. No. Right. Like that's not the reason he was a top five pick. Yeah. Uh, but that's sort of the archetype of a player. He is right. Those guys are a little bit better as run and jump athletes where Pat is good is he's like pretty skilled for being that size. And he's also really strong. Uh, so I think that like, he's just, it's easy to say, like, he looks more aggressive. He looks more confident. I think these things are true. I also think he's just realized that, like, dude, if someone's going to give me space and I eat up the space in front of me, I'm going to be at the rim and I can finish at the rim because I'm fucking strong and I can jump. So the game isn't always quite as hard as Pat was making it seem. I still think there is there should be an emphasis to get him a little more involved. Does Patrick Williams have to be the fifth option always? Maybe he does because IO has been pretty decent, Uh, but I would like to see them prioritize his scoring a little bit more trying to, you know, really the coaching staff try to set him up to be a scorer. Yeah. I think in second halves, I think that he's showing more in these first halves and then like kind of disappearing in the second half. Sometimes Uh, obviously we're looking at baby steps. The fact that he is now doing shit in the first half is a big plus. Now we need to see that kind of just happen throughout the game and him not disappear as much offensively. Again, the last couple of games, it's been fine because they blew out, blew them out. The Hornets out last night against the Nets. It was the Zach show, Zach and IO show. And like they took over, but yeah, it would now nice to see him, them kind of, they go to him early and then keep going to him and keep making it happen. Uh, and with some of these injuries, we have gotten to see him play with the bench a bit more. I mean, just playing again, playing more in general, getting 30 plus minutes, uh, taking advantage of those situations as well. So yeah, again, baby steps, but I guess I wouldn't even say he's taking baby steps. I mean, he's like a light has seemingly switched on in the last couple of games. Hopefully it will stay. We have seen this before where younger players, they have a stretch where they look great and they're like, Oh, here we go. The light bulb has switched on has flashed on and then they go back to just kind of being whatever. Hopefully that is not the case with Pat. A lot of promising signs from him these last couple games. Uh, and hopefully now he's just realized. Yeah. Like I'm again, six, seven, six, eight I'm strong. I got huge fucking hands and I can dunk on people and drive through people. Uh, and then that just kind of his, that mindset just keeps going. And let's hit on IO a little bit too. IO playing pretty well. So per 36 minutes, he played a lot last year. He started 40 games, right? So I think just looking at the per minute stats, though, 11.6 points per game. 
and his usage rate as a rookie was 14.1 with a 16% turnover rate. Lower the better for turnover rate, obviously. This year, Jace, per 36 minutes, 14.8. So he's gone up from 11.6 to 14.8, almost 15 points a game through 36 minutes. That's what I want out of Io. Be a little bit more of a threat as a score. His usage rate has gone up from 14 to 16 and a half and turnover rate factors into usage rate. His turnovers have gone down 11.6 turnovers. So I was cutting down the turnovers. He's improved a bit as a shooter last year, 37%, this year, 38%, close to 39%. Uh, he still doesn't get to the foul line a lot, but I feel like IO just continues to look very comfortable as an NBA starter. He's sort of made to be a fifth option, probably, or fourth option on an offense. And then defensively, very good at the point of attack. Someone who's able to, you know, use his length and his size to defend up to three positions, I think, if it's the right matchup for him. Uh, You know, Io in general continues to look like he's better than last year. He's taking a half step. You want to talk about, like, what, what, what's like a a baseline for the bulls surviving without Lonzo ball and for the bulls, like having a path to not needing to go through the play in tournament. I would say most people would have pointed to let's start with IO takes a leap. Pat takes a leap. Well, I think it's kind of happening. Jace. Yeah. Uh, what Hornets game? IO was kind of rough. He got some garbage time baskets late to kind of salvage it. But then that Nets game, he was outstanding. Uh, again, he had made a stretch of plays there in the fourth quarter that helped turn the game with defense, with scoring, passing, uh, just kind of doing it all. Um, and it's kind of funny, like there, like you say, like he's meant to be a fifth option, and like obviously on this team that basically is what he is. There are times though where like I feel like he surprises me still with his like off the dribble, like driving and like ability to get to the basket and finish has been. There have been times it's like 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 maybe this guy can be like a big time scorer. Like I said, I don't know if it's really that going to be uh, going to be a reality on this team but like there are times where he can take over games offensively and it's like holy shit again he had I think he had 17 against that in that Nets game and he had just several uh just taking the ball from the top of the key driving hard showing it like some not necessarily explosive but just quick getting to the basket beating his man off the dribble and finishing and like uh some other games he's had a few really quiet games like I said this Hornets game there are a few other ones where he's been quiet but uh obviously it's nice to get picked up but like yeah he looks he looks really good just in general. It's great to see uh, just him making it a constant, a, a, just an impact. He do, he has been pretty good with the turnovers. 1.6 turnovers for 36 minutes for as much as he handles the ball is really nice. Um, I said he's still not, not really as much of a natural playmaker, but he's at least good enough, and that assisted turnover ratio is great. He's got a true shooting. It was last year. It was almost 60. This year, it's right around 60 so far, so that's great. Uh, you look at a lot of these advanced metrics, and like they've, They've all gone like mostly going in a positive direction. His rebounding is better so far as well Uh, with the, yeah, he doesn't get to the free throw line much, which again, like he's shown an ability to get, to get to the basket. Just doesn't really draw fouls, which is fine. Uh, Don't really need him to be taking like hard hits all the time, but yeah, overall, like outside of like a few duds, uh, after absolutely have to love what we've seen from Isle. Like I said, him watching him and Zach take over the Nets game was uh, really a pleasure to watch. And I mean, then, I mean, the Nets game, like just her, Harassing Kyrie Irving. How I mean, some of that I think was Kyrie's own doing. Taking his head off was, his head Durant was in, multiple yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. Late fourth quarter, he just like was like a safety out there, reading Durant's eyes and intercepting passes to help shut that game down. Uh, that was awesome. Alex Cruz also had that also that sick rebound after uh, I think Joe Harris missed three pointer. So just all those those hustle plays, those extra little plays there by those guys helped close that game out after Zach's kind of explosion. That was awesome to see. So. Yeah, absolutely have to love what Io's been doing in place Alonzo as the starting point guard. I mean, between Io and Dragic, the Bulls are getting high-level, pretty high-level point guard play. Again, there are a lot of great point guards out there, a lot of all-star level, MVP level point guards. But for the what these guys are and what we're expected of them this coming to this season, they've absolutely beaten, probably beaten our expectations. Io is probably right around what we were hope, at least hoping for, and Dragic has blown us away. So really solid point guard play from those guys so far. All right, now we should talk about so that was the my, the end of the, my list of things to be encouraged about. 
Yeah, I mean, otherwise, like, I mean, Vooch has had been kind of on and well, off. We're, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna yeah. get to it. We're gonna get to it. I want to yeah, start was, with Zach. Yeah, I was trying to think of just like other like good or bad things. I was just kind of listen. Though the things we talked about are definitely like the clear positives. So go ahead, Zach. All right, so Zach, if there's a reason for Bulls pessimism at this point in the season when they're five and four, that reason is the status of Zach Levine. Sort of the path for the Bulls to be the best version of themselves is DeRozan and Levine both being sick, nasty scorers that we saw in the first half of last year, both being like legitimate all-stars. The Celtics are a complete team. They're really good everywhere, right? But at the end of the day, it's Tatum and Brown who are carrying the offense on most nights. They know they have those two guys to carry the team. The Bulls set up kind of similar with two wing scorers who are supposed to carry the team in Levine and DeRozan. Of course, they need everyone to play a role and to get involved. And, you know, someone's got to get hot every game. If someone else has to get hot every game, if the Bulls are going to win. But really, like, the Bulls needed Zach Levine to sort of stamp himself as maybe a top 20 player this season. Uh, And we talked about it several times on this podcast already uh, with just his health status entering the season. Missing back-to-backs, you know, didn't play in the first game. And to this point in the year, Zach has had some encouraging performances. His numbers still look pretty good. But in general, I just don't think he looks the same. He doesn't have the the pop. You could say definitively, Zach Levine is not 100%. Now, he can still be pretty good at 80%. I think we saw that in the Nets game when for the first three quarters of that game, I thought Levine was really having struggles creating anything offensively in the fourth quarter. He remembered, Oh yeah, I'm also an elite shooter. And he started ripping threes. So he is an elite shooter and he always has that to fall back on. But for Zach to really be the best version of himself, he has to threaten the defense by getting to the rim and then leveraging that threat of his rim pressure to get into his pull and, you know, his off ball movement, pull like spot up shots. Uh, he's just not really a threat anymore to take the ball to the rim and to finish at the rim. And even when he does get to the rim, God, he can't, he can't explode when he gets there. Yeah. Like he needs to be able to. So I'm pretty worried about Zach. And I think it's a big cause for concern for the team. I'm not saying like they shouldn't have paid Zach his money or that, this is bullshit that Zach's missing games. I think it's good that they're taking a cautious approach with Zach because you need him to be as healthy as he can be by the end of the season. But my question is after the off season, he has the surgery in May. He's still missing the first game of the season. They're treating him with kid gloves, which I'm fine with, but like, when is he ever going to be healthy? Because they need Zach at full go to be the best version of themselves, to compete with, you know, the Raptors, the Pelicans, all these teams they're going to see over the next week. You need peak Zach. You need top 25 NBA player Zach Levine. And he can still have a good game because he can get hot as a shooter. But I think the scouting report on that is going to come out quickly, that he's no longer the same threat to get to the rim. And I got to say, Jason, I'm pretty worried about Zach right now. Maybe some people don't agree with me because he did have a wonderful game against Brooklyn. 20 points in the fourth quarter, outscored the Nets by himself. Uh, but, man, he just doesn't look healthy. Yeah, so, I mean, you just look at some of the stats and they this bears it out. Uh, I mean, his two-point percentage, I think, especially is the big one here. He is, I mean, he's shooting 43.5% on three-pointers on nearly eight attempts per game. As we've said, I'd love to see that go go up one or two. He took 11 threes against the Nets. I believe I think he was like five of 11, something like that. And he hit went crazy in the fourth quarter. And then that's just like weren't guarding him. Like, what the fuck are you doing? This guy's going off and just hitting raining threes on you. And you're just not bothering to guard him. Stupid Nets team. As I said, shooting great. And he is going to have that always. And that's always going to make him a dangerous player. But two point percentage right now, we're looking at 40.0%. For his career, he's over 50% from twos. Right now he's at 40 I saw a stat that mid-range wise, he's at like 26, 27% on mid-range shots. Uh, as you mentioned, he is not exploding when he gets to the basket and he's not getting calls that much either. I mean, he's at 4.8 free throw attempts per game, which isn't bad, but is down. I feel like he is just not getting some of the calls because he's just like 
not getting the explosion up where it makes it look like he's getting fouled. Uh, just kind of he's staying below the rim sometimes. And like, I think it was that Pacers game. He got stuffed multiple times by, I think, Miles Turner and Jalen Smith. Uh, and it, it just wasn't it wasn't that pretty. Obviously, the Bulls dominated that game and it was fine. But there have definitely been times or, or multiple times here where he's just getting stuffed at the rim. Just because he's just not able to explode. He's not getting the calls. He's not finishing. Let me look at go see like what he's what his finishing numbers are here in basketball reference. Shooting field goal percentage by just yeah, I mean, he is at 50% from the field from zero and three feet to three feet, and he's taking 30% of his attempts from there. That's terrible. That's not it's not good. I mean, he's first career 65.2% on shots from basically the rim to three feet out. He's at 50%. Again, this is a very small sample size. We're looking at the season that he came back from his ACL tear, he was at 40 point or he was at 54.9% on those shots. Again, he's taking 30% of his shots from there so far, making only 50%. That is bad. Uh, he's only at 25% from three to 10 feet. He has not made, according to this, a shot from zero to or from 10 to 16 feet yet. It's been a little better on long mid-range shots. Basically, two-pointers have been a disaster for him so far. And I think that is absolutely a function of him not being have his, having all his explosiveness and athleticism back. Uh, was for the threes, a lot of them have just been he's taken catch and shoot threes, wide open shots, uh, where he's been able able to take like a normal set shot. I feel like I, I'd have to look at, like at his film more, like if he's been taking some of those off the dribble threes that we know he can make. Uh, but I feel like a lot of them have have been more kind of set shot threes, and he's making them. He's always going to be great at that because he's a great shooter. Am I concerned about it? I think there's a reason to have some pessimism about it. I'm not going to say I'm totally panicking yet. Uh, but we know the knee stuff can be tricky. We've obviously dealt with stuff at Lonzo. Zach has had multiple knee surgeries now. Um, he's so like it's going to be something to monitor if he's going to if he's going to start finishing better. Uh, if that explosion is going to come back, like maybe it's just going to take a little longer than we expected it or or hoped it would. Uh, but yeah, like right now, Zach is like a nice player. He's averaging twenty one, like four and four, which is fine. Actually, no, 21.5, 4.2 assists, 3.3 rounds. While he's shooting 43.5%, his true shooting is currently sitting at 56.7, which is still solid. But like we're talking about a guy who was over 60% true shooting the last couple seasons. Uh, and before that was around this too. So like still a solid player, not all-star level, not the explosive Zach Levine that we've become accustomed to. So that's going to be very interesting to see. If when that does come back, uh, because if it doesn't, that is definitely a problem because he is on a $250 million max contract. Obviously, I am not going to uh, say anything bad about that. They had to give him that contract. In my opinion, I'm happy he got that contract. He earned the shit out of that contract. But if this is a situation where he is not going to be that guy, he has been the last couple of years moving forward. That is problematic for sure. <laughs> Uh, Jace, where is your level of concern on a scale of one to 10 with DeMar DeRozan, who uncharacteristically has had two kind of bad games in a row? He also didn't do a ton against the Pacers, but they didn't really need him. They won that game pretty handily. Uh, DeRozan, like we said, worst game of his career against Charlotte, two of 11 from the field, nine points against Brooklyn. I thought he played okay. But he was inefficient. 8 of 21 from the field, 20 points. He was okay. Uh, I think his defense has been garbage. (laughs) Really bad. Off-ball defense has been real Off-ball defense. Yeah. Just so slow on his rotations. Doesn't want to make them at all. One of the issues with the Bulls this season has been giving up wide open three point shots. Like the defense overall has been okay. It's been fine. You mentioned those stats, but like their three point defense, which has been slightly unlucky, I would say, but like they're giving up too many open three point shots for the most part. And some of that is just the rotations. You get beat off the dribble. The rotations aren't good. And tomorrow De- falling asleep off the ball. <laughs> Scale of one to 10. How concerned are you with DeMar DeRozan? Right now I'd have to say like a three, a two or three, like, uh, he was great in preseason. He had some really great games to start the regular season. I'm going to give the guy a few rough games for being like, Oh shit. Like maybe he's hitting, he is 30, what 33, 34. Still. I'm not that worried about tomorrow. Like I said, I think I, I'm okay. Going a few points up from like one or zero, 
But uh, a couple of bad games aren't going to have me worried. If we start getting in like this next stretch where it's the next uh, this, this next stretch of tough games and then we're getting into like a couple weeks worth of like crappy play, then you start worrying. But even then, like guys, a professional score. I don't think I did not come into the season expecting him to fall off a cliff. Even if there is a bad stretch, I'm not going to expect that yet. I guess if we are sitting at like whatever months down the road and he's still just kind of meandering about, maybe then you worry. But I think right now, I'm I'm not I'm not sure. Like I said, two or three, maybe like a three. How about yeah. you? Yeah, <clears throat> I think he's going to be a good player. No doubt. I'm not worried about him. I would say a two or a three as well. I was going to say a three. Uh, but like, I mean, he's not going to be what he is last year. Is he going to be Probably. all NBA? Right. It does. You it, know. And so if he's not all NBA, that's going to be a bit of a downturn. And I think that that's okay. Because I feel like Iowa and Pat can take a step up and take something off Demar's plate, and Dragic too, honestly, at this point, and Dragic, right now. and Drummond. Yeah. Issue though is that Demar's not really a threat off the ball, so you still kind of got to run the offense through him. Now he is a good passer, and I think like trying to hit Pat on cuts when Demar is the ball, kicking it out to Io, letting him shoot. There's ways you can run the offense through DeMar where the yeah. offense can still be really good, even if DeMar isn't scoring 35 a night. And I do think that a big issue with the Bulls, and one thing that the, you know this season needs to address, is that they can't be so dependent on DeMar. But ideally, you would like to have that DeMar takeover scoring chip in your back pocket, especially you know in the last six minutes of games. Right. That's when he really shines because he never makes any – mistakes with the ball. He's a very good decision maker. He's a good ball handler. Obviously an excellent mid-range shooter. Performed so well in the clutch. Has for years. Uh, So you have to believe it's not a fluke. That it's real. And I just hope that if DeMar's like basically like his all-around offensive output is going to drop down a little bit that it can drop down because everyone else is coming up. Yeah. That's right. my only yeah. Experience. So like yeah, to the point about like the fourth quarter stuff, like before that Nets game and Zach's explosion, the Bulls had by far the worst fourth quarter offense in the NBA this season. Their O rating was like eighty seven or eighty eight, just like by far the worst. And like we saw that in the Sixers game, they should have honestly they should have won that game. They took a two point lead with I think four or five minutes left. They scored two points the rest of the game. And that wasn't all. Demar like Zach missed some shots. Zach took that last shot instead of passing to Vooch. I think DeMar might have missed one shot. I can't remember exactly, but like, uh, but DeMar is like fourth quarter numbers, like so far this year, just have not been particularly like, like good. We know they were like, he was shooting, he shot like 55% in fourth quarters last year. It was something like crazy like that. And he has been way down so far. Zach was way down as well until that Nets game where he brought those numbers up. But like, the fourth quarter offense has been kind of a struggle so far. And they've lost a couple of close games that maybe they could have gotten wins. The Sixers won, maybe that Spurs won. Uh, and even in some of the games they did win, uh, the fourth quarter offense kind of stumbled to a halt and almost let teams back in the game. So, like, as they keep playing good teams in the fourth quarter, will DeMar find that magic again? Or will, so will it be other guys? Will, like, will, will Zach step up? Even though he's not, maybe not 100%, will they get maybe, we talk about Patrick Williams not doing much in the second half. Will maybe him him get more contributions in fourth quarters? Talk about Iowa as well. Vooch too. Uh so hopefully, yeah, with that regression, I think we all, I think we kind of expected some level of regression out of DeMar just because like he just had a career season at 32 years old or whatever. Like he wasn't going to do that, that again. So like whatever fall off there was, like you said, you'd hope the other guys would pick it up so far. I think that's been like kind of hit or miss with some of the, these fourth quarter struggles, especially, but uh, hopefully he can kind of find that match again, even if it's not quite at the same level. Uh, like I said, I'm not too worried about him just yet. I think he'll be mostly okay. Even if he's not, at what he was last season. Is there anything else you're concerned about right now with the team, Trace? No, I mean, like, Vooch has kind of been Vooch. He's had some really nice... I mean, he had 20-20 almost against Embiid, uh, and he had, like, I think he had five threes in that game. He's, he's still... I feel like his three-point shooting, I would have to look it up again, is still kind of, like, whatever. Uh, and he's, his overall efficiency hasn't been great, but I feel like Vooch has been mostly fine. He did suck pretty bad in that uh Spurs game, Yaka Pearl owned him. I mean, like, yeah, he's only shooting 41%. He's actually at 35% from threes. I think that I think that Sixers game really helped bring him up. So 35% from three. If that sticks, that's good. 
93% from the line right now and over three a game. He had a couple good games there. I mean, he's th- still passing well. He's, re- he's rebounding great, 12.3 rebounds a game. Uh, just needs to get that efficiency up. He's only at 44% from on two-pointers. Uh, that This kind of happened at the start of last year, too, where he really struggled to finish, and then he kind of came around. I, like, I feel like I like in general how he's been playing, though, for the most part, how they've been using him, how he's been trying to play. So I think with Vooch, it's more just like a function of uh, – uh, just finishing around the basket. So I can't say like I'm worried. I think he's been about what I've expected probably for the most part. Although I, I've even said maybe I'd like, he had a couple real big duds, but I've liked how he's played for the most part. Well, Jace, we've been going for a while, so we should probably yeah, wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. We did talk about the upcoming schedule over the next 10 days. Read it again at Boston on Friday, at Toronto on Sunday, home against Toronto on Monday, home against the Pelicans on Wednesday, home against the Nuggets on Sunday, at Pelicans Wednesday. The whole month of November is really hard for the Bulls, but beyond that stretch, they also have to play Boston at home, Milwaukee on the road, the sudden, suddenly surging Utah Jazz. Larry Markinen, all-star. Get ready for it. Phoenix on the road and Golden State on the road on December 2nd. So tough month, a tough little stretch here over the learn about this team. Days. We're going to learn about the Bulls. Now, if they can stay afloat, the schedule gets a little easier in December, a little easier in January. So, Jace, what I've learned being a sports fan over the years is that it's all about expectations. And the reason the 2022 White Sox were one of the most garbage, frustrating teams ever (laughs) is because I expected them to be a World Series contender. And instead, they were a gigantic embarrassment of a 500 team. They might have been, were they under 500? I don't even remember. I think they actually finished, they're either exactly 500 or they won 80 games. So it was either 80 or 81. That's why I speak in generalities, Jason, because it doesn't really matter. They were a 500 team, whether they finished one or two below. Anyways, for the Bulls, my expectation for a good Bull season, Jason, is to be 500 or a little better by the time Lonzo comes back. They just got to tread water and make sure they don't get buried by the time Lonzo returns to the lineup. We don't know when that's going to be. I think conservatively, uh, maybe January 15th. We'll just, yeah, I think just in general, we're looking, out. I think we're looking for just January 2023. Is I think what we're hoping for. Yeah, January, that would be the hope. Yeah. So until then, be 500. And I get that, like, it's so easy to overreact to every loss or even every win. And it's easy to be like, this team stinks. Where are they going? But it is sort of fun to just try to root for the team to be, you know, just to, like, stay afloat. And then Lonzo comes back and maybe they can uh, take off the way they did last year. So. Yeah, like right now, I don't think they stink. Like they've had one real clunker yeah, of a they're game. Solid. Yeah, they're they, solid. they got blown out in the home opener against the Cavs. Every other game, they've been competitive. They ha- like they've obviously gotten off some bad starts and that cannot be a habit. The last couple of games, they've gotten off to better starts. Uh, so that's been nice to see. But falling back, falling down big in games is not a good habit to have. They did have it. They've maybe started to turn in the tide there, especially with Pat playing better. But for the most part, they've been competitive. They've gotten a couple wins. I mean, they did not last year against like whatever the best teams in the East. They won, I think, one game. And so far, they've beaten Boston. They've beaten Miami. I know Miami's had some struggles so far. Boston has had it lost a few games. Uh, but so far, they've won a few games that maybe we didn't think they'd win, which is nice. They've lost a few whatever toss-ups. They still can't beat the Sixers yet, but They've been pretty competitive in almost every game, and that's good. I don't think this team stinks. So they don't stink. They're yeah. solid. Yeah. But it's easy to overreact to a loss and yeah. say they stink. When in reality, you know, if they were three games over 500 or four games over 500 when Lonzo came back, I would consider that a huge win. Yep. You know, so you just got to keep that in mind as a fan. They're going to lose some games coming up because they have a tough schedule. They don't have Lonzo. Zach is hurt. You hope that. Pat's taken enough of a step that IO's taken enough of a step to keep him afloat. And that the bench thing is real. That Dragic can keep this up. Need Drummond to come back soon. That Drummond can keep an, an appropriate amount of dip on his chip and get <laughs> healthy. And yeah, I think like I'm super into the team this year. I'm uh, fully invested. We got Justin Fields and we got Patrick Williams and IO DeSumo. <laughs> Chicago sports is trending up. So White Sox have a new manager. Hopefully he's good. Who knows? 
Yeah, some some decent vibes going here. It's all That's, gonna be okay, Jace. Everything's yeah. gonna be okay. <laughs> I would also like to say congratulations to Damar as struggled much as he struggled, 20,000 point club. Good for him. Give a little golf clap for DeMar DeRozan and his great career so far. Awesome. Cool for him to do that in San Antonio as well for his former team uh, with uh, on his former court. So that was cool. But yes. So yeah, big bull stretch coming up. We're going to learn about this team a lot here in the coming weeks. Uh, that makes it more fun. Like as much as like it, it's nice to play bum team sometimes and get like you bank wins. I'd, I'd like what I'd much rather wa- watch these games against good teams as long as they're competitive. I know like the end of last year was rough because they were getting blown out nightly. So far, they're get, they're being competitive, and hopefully that continues as they play these uh, these tough teams, these top teams over these next few weeks. So we will see. Again, we'll learn a lot about them. Anything else? Are we good? Can we wrap this up here? Right, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up here. That that's been uh, it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. With the NBA season now in full swing, tons of great pod, NBA pods all across the network. And then, of course, tons of other great pods as well across the Blue Air Network. Uh, if you like what, you, what we do here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. Run Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. So that's going to do it for us here. Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls Podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. Bulls. It's not last year's Bulls, ladies and gentlemen.